Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e-commerce. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode in the e-commerce growth show. Uh, all I can say at the moment is it's really good that I'm standing up doing these podcasts because uh, the boys are back to their den making antics. So uh, there isn't one chair in the entire house that isn't in the lounge with uh, a bunch of uh, blankets over it. So uh, interesting uh, times last night, sat trying to watch a film in a, in a, in a corner of the room, uh, Michelle in the other corner, um, and, uh, and then breakfast uh, was basically hovering around a table because there were no chairs, but no, I managed to find one in the end. But uh, funny games, at least they're not on the tablets all day, so that's, that's great. Anyway, you know that these uh, podcasts are all about bringing all sorts of thought leadership to the uh, community. And uh, today I've got a really interesting uh, guy called Simon Calvert, and uh, he is uh, a very experienced director in many different roles over the last 30 years of his career, uh, spanning pure play, multi-channel, omni-channel, and pure sort of bricks and mortar uh, businesses, and has been running brands like Menkind, is very uh, involved with Bon Marche. Uh, and also um, at the moment is running his uh, consultancy um, called Future Today Retail. Uh, and uh, notably, one of the customers that he worked with um, there was Noon, which I uh, hadn't heard of, but that's the, the Amazon of the Middle East. I'm sure many of you will know. Um, but uh, he's passionate about transformation, really, for the better, and uh, has been working with Noon and uh, other brands, obviously, in, in the wake of COVID, um, advising on technology to improve commercial decision-making um, and obviously to help brands become more customer-driven. Hi, Simon. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Melting a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely again, isn't it? Yeah, gonna... It certainly yeah. is, yeah. yeah. wouldn't be English happy. unless we were complaining about the weather, though, would we? Oh, I, know. I know. One or the other, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so just to, just to start off, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about... Um, you used to work with Philip Green, yeah, which is right. uh, yeah, quite interesting guy to work for for twelve years. Fair play to you, and uh, you you had a few funny tales to say about it. But why don't you uh, why don't you tell the guys about a particular a particular story? Well, I mean, uh, working for Philip was was obviously a, a bit of a roller coaster at times. Uh, there was one particular uh, occasion where I, I I'd made a commercial decision which he really did not agree with. Uh, so yeah. we, he hauled me over the coals uh, with regards to that uh, decision. But uh, the, yeah. the key with Philip is that he, he very rarely f- forgets. Uh, so yeah. months afterwards, he kept reminding me uh, about this this decision that I'd made that he didn't agree with. Uh, and I was right. obviously in his bad books. Uh, anyway, fast forward to a particular occasion where uh, a lot of the BHS directors were uh, sat around uh, the table uh, and Philip was going round this uh, round table uh, in turn, uh, basically criticising uh, everybody's ideas and, and strategies uh, and, yeah. uh, uh, and trading decisions, uh, etc. And slowly just building himself into an emotional tirade. And there must have been about six people uh, around the table unfortunately uh, I was the last one that he came to but by the time he came to me to me he was in such an emotional tirade and really had run out of uh, 
any expletives or, uh, or comments yeah. he could yeah. make. So he just looked at me and went, and you, and you, and you, you're just a wanker. Um, at which point uh, I started to laugh um, yeah. and he started to laugh thankfully as well and I obviously apprised well, I think I've done alright just to be a wanker yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, um, it, and thankfully that kind of um, uh, yeah. resolved yeah. Uh, the situation because people were just laughing yeah. Um, no, yeah, that's, so. yeah. that's so funny and I mean, was he was he is he always like that, or was he always like that, or was it a mix? Like, I mean, what was his leadership style like? I mean, uh, Philip um, yeah. is extraordinarily uh, good trader. Uh, but you know, yeah. buying something for two quid and selling it for twenty it doesn't matter whether it's a t-shirt or a business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, he's extraordinarily good with numbers uh, yeah. uh, in his head. Um, perhaps one of the best people I've ever. Uh, uh, come in contact with, and I'm fairly numerate. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, he yeah. he can be a really hard taskmaster, uh, and sometimes yeah. nothing is good enough. Uh, uh, and he can give you a good kick uh, uh, yeah. on quite regular basis. However, yeah. the, the flip side of Philip is he can be very funny, very charismatic, um, yeah. and uh, also exceedingly loyal. Um, I, I, yeah. With all individuals, you know, yeah, uh, there the, there are positives and uh, and negatives. Absolutely, absolutely. And the be- the most important thing is, did you learn a lot from him? I learned uh, an awful lot uh, from I him, and I, you know, in a strange kind of way, I uh, I I miss working for him, um, which I know uh, uh, sounds a bit like uh, a Protestant whipping themselves, but uh, um, yeah. Um, and I learned through through the years. I learned um, an awful lot from him, uh, good and bad, actually. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's often yeah. how so, not to motivate people sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, also, you know, yeah. his extraordinarily commercial skills um, yeah. uh, have helped me significantly. Yeah, it's interesting you said that actually, because I, I I often forget that. I, I've completely taken for granted all of the negative things that I've seen in leadership. Um, but actually seeing them and being able to benchmark and realize and gauge through my own journey that that isn't the way to do it is actually so helpful, as well as obviously seeing the good stuff that help you to learn. Complete, I mean, I completely agree with that. That was very much my experience because Philip had a, a very demanding style. Uh, you couldn't with your team, you couldn't necessarily replicate that demanding style. Um, you, you had to take a be more adaptable and take a different approach. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, to to get the best out of people and in a way protect them as well. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. From the ferocity yeah. of it, sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, very interesting experience, as you say. Um, so, I mean, thank you for that. So, in terms of uh, our chat today, the the overarching theme uh, in the wake of COVID. Um, we were talking earlier about how obviously now um, the acceleration to e-commerce is is even quicker than it was. Um, and now you were just mentioning earlier, the sales mix is now larger now already than it was. I think you mentioned sort of like 20 to 30 percent change uh, in terms of the sales mix. And the thing that you, we were talking about that, that's very interesting for, for me, actually, um, was you mentioned how 
do you make e-commerce profitable? And so for me, that's an interesting question because I'm thinking in one respect, I'm thinking, well, hold on a minute. I mean, surely it's got to be profitable. Um, but in the same time, even in the businesses that I'm in, like Segmentify and, you know, you mentioned big commerce or whatever it might be, uh, often actually companies aren't profitable, but are still running and end up, say, selling or being bought, exiting or whatever. So that's an interesting point that you make. So why don't you tell the guys what you what your sort of experience is around how you make e-commerce profitable? Well, I mean, the, the first thing to say is that um, a, a lot of omnichannel uh, uh, operations uh, between bricks and mortar uh, and e-commerce, historically, uh, the better contribution has often come from stores rather than from the e-commerce operations. There, there are obviously a lot of reasons behind that. Um, uh, n- now that the uh, the revenue mix is... Uh, uh, looks like it's changed significantly in favour of e-commerce. That obviously has uh, implications in terms of the profitability mix. There are exceptions, you know, um, uh, Next Directory, uh, etc., is is still quite profitable in terms of a contribution. But that that drift not only has implications in terms of revenue, but also in terms of profitability, uh, and. Uh, I'm just quite interested, uh, although it's a subject of uh, conversation I have with some of my network. Uh, it's not really in the mainstream in terms of a big conversation. There's this assumption that um, that that increase in participation of e-commerce will will, will reflect in in terms of uh, profit contribution, but that isn't necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. What just uh, might have just missed that, but you mentioned this before, but like you mentioned it again, next directory. What what is that? Uh, so uh, Next obviously have uh, uh, two uh, operations. that They have their, their bricks and mortar operation uh, and they have their, their uh, online operation, uh, their directory operation, which is becoming more and more like a marketplace. Yeah. They sell uh, Next products, but they also sell brands, uh, etc. I mean, it was born out of the, the Next directory that... Uh, probably launched in the in the nineties, uh, but uh, has continued to grow, which is why they've stolen the march on a lot I of see. their competitors in providing that sort of middle market um, uh, uh, marketplace, uh, fashion marketplace, but also they do home uh, um, um, leadership uh, segment. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I've seen. I've been seeing their announcements actually, and um, how they're they're trying to grow that. Um, and it's obviously doing well, like you say. It's a it's a bit of a an exception, but carry on. Yeah, I mean it, it's probably an exception um, uh, for, for omni-channel retailers um, uh, rather than a rule. But there are you, know, you could say it all pure play um, uh, operations as well. Um, you know how much do they actually contribute from a profit perspective? Amazon. Historically, um, uh, for the first 15 years, didn't make any money, no profit. Uh, they, they focused on creating value through the um, through, through the um, the value of the overall business, uh, buying market share and increasing the value of the business rather than profit. Uh, Jeff Bezos's uh, well-known uh, quote is that uh, uh, I don't focus on profitability. Profit is a tap I can turn on and off. Which is a really interesting uh, uh, concept. Um, it is interesting. I don't understand that. What does that mean? Well, uh, but basically, he's talking about um, uh, short-term and long-term views. Uh, so, 
the the long term view is about creating a customer centric organisation uh, that um, uh, builds advocacy through their customer base uh, uh, to in- increase sales, and by increasing sales, their uh, their value, the value of the business goes up because the um, their future profit potential uh, is increased because their turnover is increased, uh, rather yeah. than focusing on the short term. How much money did I make last week? Um, and I think that that is part of the reason uh, that uh, bricks and mortar retailers have been. Um, slow on the uptake of uh, uh, technology and data to improve their businesses because they've been very focused on uh, making money in the present uh, rather than creating uh, long-term value. I'm beginning to understand what you mean now. So it's that long-term longevity approach to business, which actually is not necessarily going to make you money overnight, but in the long term is going to make it valuable. Correct. Yeah. No, I've got you. I've got you. So dive into some of the areas then, as you, as you mentioned, about what you'd be, where you'd be focusing and how you'd be approaching that to make them more profitable. Well, there's, um, there's a lot of considerations. Uh, I mean, the, the first one is uh, revenue. Where does revenue come from? And we generally uh, currently uh, look at uh, ROI or um, uh, sales revenue uh, in terms of the last click, um, and the, the last click just shows you where the uh, the sale was uh, eventually executed. It doesn't necessarily tell you all the components of that customer journey and all the different touch points. So, for instance, uh, a customer that starts researching online uh, and then uh, goes into store, uh, uh, you know confirms what their, their choice is, goes goes back home, uh, goes online uh, and makes the purchase. Um, uh, does all of their purchase uh, appear uh, online or should it, some of it be attributed to stores? Equally, if that customer had uh, researched it online, gone into stores and purchased it in stores, um, mm-hmm. should it be all attributed to in-store? So you need a different approach to um, uh, attribution to really understand the components uh, of that customer journey uh, and the relative value uh, uh, that, that each of those components bring. So, so is, is another aspect. So, well, you know, they may have found uh, the products initially uh, on social, then gone online, uh, and then back into store. So. Yeah, yeah. Really understanding that customer journey, I think, is important because you can't just uh, look at bottom line profit contribution based on revenue and assume that um, the shopping journey started and ended in one place. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? I mean, that's a very you you mentioned a few complicated scenarios there, which completely now you've told them to me in that omni-channel scenario makes complete sense. How how do you? get that attribution right well i mean um yeah. attribution is is one of the holy grails uh, as such um uh, what i would say is that there is um a lot of technology out there that uh, is improving attribution uh, uh, model linear models of attribution that that give you a a percentage uh, to each point in that customer journey 
but the foundation of these is all to do with data uh, and data really is is the key to understanding that customer journey and attributing it uh, as correctly as you can to appreciate that customer journey and the different um, the, the yeah. different uh, touch points mm. so what sort of i mean i'm interested i i, I it completely makes sense to me but so are there there must be what data systems out there that are pulling this data from all these different touch points and then doing that linear attribution thing that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are um, some businesses uh, uh, working on improving attribution, um, yeah. you know, away from last click because last click just gives you a very silent yeah. view on things. Well, we yeah. actually, it actually is um, part of uh, the point you know e-commerce is one thing but it is it can't be looked as a silo function uh it's as much to do with data and marketing uh, and commercial as as it is anything else yeah because i mean if you're if you are an omni-channel business then it's going to be biased isn't it And, and you're potentially looking at something through a different the wrong lens thinking that well something is potentially less profitable than it really is because actually it's really contributing to the customer journey as opposed to just going, well, they went on the checkout and bought it, Bosch, then it must be an e-commerce sale. Uh, completely. And I, I'm sure that uh, one of the, the um, components of uh, future bricks and mortar retail will be as yeah. marketing media uh, to uh, advertise the brand uh, and uh, encourage the overall community uh, with that brand rather than just as purchase hubs. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So what sort of, I'm just interested, I mean, in terms of actual platforms, are we talking like something like Tableau or something? Or I've heard good data. Is, is it these kind of guys that are doing stuff? Or is it the brands themselves doing it in-house? Um, yeah, there, there are a lot, quite a few solution providers uh, doing some interesting yeah. things out there. Uh, probably uh, throughout you know, J-Wing, uh, people like that are doing uh, you know, some interesting things with attribution. J Wing, I've heard of them. Is that are they? Um, is that a product or is that an agency or something or a? It's a solution provider. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, data yeah. science solution provider. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Kind of big enterprise player, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you? I mean, that's an interesting question. So do, do have you done stuff like this with brands as well as part of your consultancy or, or in the roles that you've done? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've. In a number of brands that I've worked with, uh, yeah. either with Future Today uh, Retail or uh, uh, in the permanent roles that I've had, uh, uh, finding this, uh, um, you know, a, a better form of attribution has always been a bit of a holy grail uh, because yeah. it would influence uh, all kinds of commercial decision making between, you know, from um, yeah. what, what stores you keep open to. Um, uh, uh, where, where you spend your digital marketing money uh, uh, to uh, how you actually um, uh, target customers uh, on that customer journey. Yeah, no, completely. I can see how it all fits into that piece. What about the, um, you mentioned a couple of other areas I know, but one of them I think was a segmentation piece that you you, you mentioned, which I suppose segues from the data element. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the collection of data is, uh, so you can understand more about the customer uh, and uh, segment them uh, in a more granular way uh, rather than um, uh, just hitting them with 
big blast uh, marketing communication, uh, tailoring things to uh, their particular part uh, of the journey that they're on, uh, or, or um, uh, get, um, identifying uh, segments of potential customers because those potential customers look quite like the customers that you've already got, or uh, really trying to um, you know, improve the frequency of your current customer uh, uh, by servicing them better. Um, which is part leads back to the making e-commerce more profitable because it is a lot cheaper to um, yeah uh, to increase frequency and lifetime customer value of the customers that you've got rather than continually get new customers in, which can be yeah. very expensive. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, it was interesting. I was talking to one of my customers actually the other day for for another another episode we're doing um, down the line. And he was talking about, he's actually a, an online pharmacy. And he was saying how their journey was that they started offline. And um, one of the most important things that he needed to try and do, knowing that he had a lot of experience and knowledge of what his customers were like in the offline environment and how he, um, how he treated it or how his staff treated them. Um, he was really keen and spent, he was passionate about trying to transfer that experience onto the online journey, if you like. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. one of the great things we, we did uh, at Bon Marche, uh, where there was a very large uh, loyalty uh, scheme, yeah. uh, was to make it omni-channel, um, which yeah. gave the customers a great benefit in terms of uh, being able to see the points online and the ability to... Um, uh, yeah. points online as well as in store but also joins that data up between uh, yeah. um, online and in store so you start getting more of a single customer view uh, yeah. of what their, their their purchase preference and history looks like um, which then can be used to target them or uh, mm. identify customers like them that you want to target yeah no absolutely yeah, he, he was talking about, but I won't say too much about it, but he was he was talking about, he was particularly, um, they had, he had a cohort of customers that were like eco-warriors. And I'm sure that sustainability is a big piece. I've, I've heard that, you know, mentioned a number of times in, 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 in these chats. And uh, so he wanted to make sure that his eco-friendly customers were being able to donate at checkout, for example, to a worthy cause. And then obviously they are being served in a, in a really great way. And that particular segment converts much, much better in terms of buying than a dot another um, basket, if you like. Um, so uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting thing to to, to talk about. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, uh, obviously, sustainability is a um, will, will be increasingly important in the the uh, now and the years to come than it has been, uh, and will start to become a defining factor. Uh, which then comes back to uh, what the values of the brand are uh, and uh, how they give back to uh, and make sure that they are as sustainable as possible. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, yeah, and the same thing can be, uh, be said of uh, ecological and uh, ethical uh, issues. Mm. No, completely. Yeah. So, I mean, what other areas of technology have you seen um, 
have been really powerful, really interesting and, you know, you know, kind of pushing the curve out a bit, you know, because this is obviously an industry that needs to adapt and be agile all the time. What other areas of technology have you seen good advancement that you've maybe deployed because you've you've looked at different suppliers and thought, you know, this is brilliant, you know, uh, and this is moving things forward in terms of any, anything else, any other sort of technology areas? I mean, focusing on uh, uh, making e-commerce profitable, um, I I don't think is focused on enough is uh, uh, the last mile. Uh, So uh, how how the customers uh, actually get the parcel. Um, E-commerce often thinks that it ends from with the sale, uh, where whereas obviously the customer experience doesn't. uh, so and it can be a bit of an afterthought. So it is essential that you uh, understand that last mile uh, and uh, offer um, offer delight to the customer in terms of uh, that last mile. So whether it be the efficiencies and effectiveness uh, uh, of your logistics operation in the pick and pack, or whether it be uh, the convenience and speed of deliveries, uh, and how you do that, uh, and how you do that sorry on the uh, ecological environmental uh how you do that without uh racking up loads of um um unsustainable uh, uh delivery miles uh because obviously that will start becoming uh higher up the agenda with all these individual um uh van deliveries to people's houses uh which i'm sure is one of the reasons that amazon are looking at uh, purchasing uh you know, ex Macy's stores and JC Penney stores in the states uh, to use them as lo- localized fulfillment hubs uh, uh, in order to increase that speed of delivery, but uh, also to um, improve that um, that that convenience uh, factor. There's a yeah. a brand that um, in the states called Target. You might be aware of. They've done yeah, yeah. a fabulous job over the last four years in terms of really incorporating uh their stores uh as uh fulfillment hubs uh as well as uh purchase hubs um uh, and reduce their delivery costs substantially you know with with things like curbside pickups and personalized deliveries uh etc uh and they've really been able to reduce uh those fulfillment costs um and then with, yeah uh, and then with uh, fashion businesses uh, returns obviously is a, is a big issue um, yeah. uh, because it is a significant cost to get things back and to reprocess them and um, uh, get them ready for sale again so the yeah. the the effectiveness and efficiency of that returns uh, journey uh, mm. is vitally important uh, yeah. But also preventing that returns journey in the first place uh, through, yeah. whether it be uh, size and fit guides or, or whether it be a combination of um, uh, technology uh, and human style advice uh, to uh, uh, to in effect mean that the customers more mm-hmm. pleased with their purchases, so returns less. I mean, one of the benefits of COVID is that return rates have uh, shrunk significantly. Um, whether that's sustainable going forward, I don't know. Uh, but a lot of pure play retailers uh, 
and omnichannel retailers have experienced return rates falling, which might be because customers are more um, uh, concerned about going to the post office to return it, um, or might mean that they're being more selective with their purchase in the first place. I don't know. But all very interesting. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. I mean, that idea of doubling up your store as a fulfillment center and a a purchase hub, I think you mentioned, that, that sounds like, you know, a very logical thing to do and, and i don't know i suppose when you've got that real estate um that makes complete sense um and obviously from a returns perspective that overall journey is a lot quicker um that's 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 that sounds like a great thing to do do you think i mean in terms of experience that you've had so far in the companies that you've dealt with i know you you have a a great network and you're talking to a lot of people right now how how and i'm just interested in knowing how advanced are a lot of the bigger enterprise omni-channel businesses that you talk to in terms of the sort of things that you've been talking about do you do you do you see there's still a very large gap in terms of a need for this type of thing or do you find it's quite advanced now and that a lot of people are doing a lot of things in this area to sort of cap off a lot of things that we've talked about i think it varies uh, quite significantly i think that there now is a, a recognition uh, uh that things need to change uh and those businesses that have got liquidity uh, are putting quite a lot of money into that change whether it be uh, inditex uh, announcing billion pounds worth of uh, investment into uh, uh data and omnichannel uh, or whether it be uh, be next um, um I know John Lewis uh, have been doing quite a lot, even uh, p- uh, pre-lockdown, uh, but uh, are, are trying to step on the gas uh, in terms of uh, doing that. But it's so multifaceted. Uh, uh, not only, you know, they've got they've got to change organisational structures as well. So, you know, we're not talking about quick, easy fixes. We we are talking about you know a seminal paradigm shift uh, in the way. Uh, yeah retails run in my uh opinion and then you've got um the the less um advanced uh businesses uh who are still quite uh siloed in terms of their uh thought process and mindset Mm -hmm. uh but know they need to change uh, and are uh trying to uh to make that move and then you've got the Mm -hmm. fairly sizable cohort that are still I don't know where their balance sheet is uh, in yeah. Um, yeah, with, with reduced uh, footfall uh, um, yeah. on the high street, uh, etc. Uh, yeah. uh, they know they need to make the investments, but those investments uh, yeah. are uh, difficult yeah. to make uh, be, because of the liquidity. Um, yeah, yeah. And there are so many things that need to be done as well from a priority perspective. It's really mm. difficult to pick yeah. the right ones first. Oh, completely. Especially at a time like now where there will be some massive things, decisions to have to be made in terms of staffing, obviously, and real estate and, and so on. Um, but all the while, as you say, that the, of course, everybody knows there needs to be this step change in terms of how technology and data is, in, is, is, uh, is used and acquired to help yeah. them kind of get that stabilization back, if you like. Um, but uh, no, that was uh, there was some really great stuff in there, um, and um, you know, love chatting to you, Simon. It's uh, really interesting. Um, and uh, so, 
in terms of uh, anyone who's listening who's interested in talking to you about uh, your consultancy and what you do for brands or indeed any uh, retailers out there that are actually looking for someone to direct a team in, in various operations that you have experience in, t- tell the guys how's the best way to, to get hold of you. Well, you, you can always contact me through my uh, my website, which is futuretoday.retail.com uh, um, sure. uh, or uh, through LinkedIn. Awesome. Okay. So that's Simon Calvert, C-A-L-V-E-R-T. Yeah. Um, and um, I like to ask this as a, as a bit of a round off, really. If you, if you had one sort of nugget, golden nugget, if you like, that um, the guys could take away from this particular chat, from the things we've talked about today, what would you, what would you love to share with them? Uh, I mean, I, I try and, in situations of uh, turmoil that we're currently experiencing, like to focus on the positives. Uh, and the positives are there is an inordinate amount of um, technology out there that can help retailers, whether they be pure play retailers or omni-channel retailers, yeah. uh, in order to, um, you know, make better commercial decisions. Um, yeah. And a lot of those uh, technology-based uh, uh, opportunities aren't difficult yeah. to implement, uh, actually, it's the organizational change that perhaps is the most complex uh, of all of them. Yeah. Um, but you know, we do retailer retailing is quite exciting because there there is a huge opportunity out there to change what, in effect, you know, the, the processes and structures uh, uh, of the industry that have existed for the last hundred years. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it, it's great actually to hear from so many. Um, partners actually out there that that uh, that I talk to and and so many other um, leaders in our in our space that people in the technology space they understand that and the consultants understand that as well and what I've noticed is that more and more of them are being able to provide an extension if you like to the team that you already have whether it be you know you in a guise of of your consultancy or a technology provider like Segmentify with a managed services team there are many different angles and avenues where these teams exist to basically make the e-commerce direction internally so much easier and kind of plays into what you were saying about it being more simple than ever, if you like, to deploy this technology to get the benefits. So, um, yeah, it's really great, uh, really great chat, Simon. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. And, hey, not at all. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope it was interesting. As I always uh, finish off, if you uh, haven't done already, do register at the uh, on the website, uh, segmentify.com forward slash podcast, just to pick up everything that comes out. Simons will be there. Any future ones that we do, just don't miss them if you're interested in what we're talking about. Um, and you know, do us a favor and uh, you know, leave us a review on Apple Player or follow us on Spotify and so on, the usual sort of thing. And uh, if you've got any questions or you want to be involved, or you've got any particular topics, you know, that you listen to somebody and think, you know, I really have a question about X, Y, and Z, and you want us to discuss it, then just email me anytime at phil at segmentify.com. But uh, thank you ever, ever so much for your time. Thank you, Simon, once again. Thank you, Phil. No worries, no worries. And uh, we'll let you again soon. Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. 
sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider. Set up and optimized by our team within a few days at segmentify.com slash demo.